Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan Sellergren. I'm the chair of the Iowa City Historic Preservation Commission. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who's come to the Highlander Hotel tonight, which is not only a new local landmark, but one with a cash bar, as opposed to uh, ICPL meeting room A. Um, we were excited to host the evening here because the building, which was originally a supper club built in 1967, is the commission's first venture into landmarking mid-century and newer buildings. Um, despite its relative youth, the Highlander's legacy is a rich part of this town's history, and we're just so pleased to be here with you all to celebrate the wonderful efforts made by our community members to preserve Iowa City and Johnson County's history. Historic preservation is about community. Every community is built from layers of its history, and each preserved layer can tell the story of who we were. Around these layers is where we build our future. Our commission exists to keep these stories intact and to keep the buildings that tell the story standing so that they can continue to be told for generations. Um, buildings in our community show us who we are, who we were, and they help to guide who we will become. It is our duty to preserve these spaces. Uh, this is, uh, these are some old photos of the Highlander. I really enjoy the pool shot. We've got the car in the pool on the float. I love it. If you haven't checked out the pool, please do. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, historic preservation is also about conservation. Every year, just under 20,000 tons of construction waste is sent to the Iowa City landfill. Our commission works to reduce this waste by identifying the value of our existing structures, protecting these structures, and finding ways to preserve and use them to their potential, rather than destroying and rebuilding them with materials that will not last for a century the way many of our older buildings can. That being said, we recognize that progress is the balance to history, so this commission is also about balance. It is inevitable that every city must plan its future by solving problems to make it a more supportive place for its resident, uh, residents. The Historic Preservation Commission exists to ensure the balance between the past and the future so that the progress does not have to mean destruction. Historic preservation is not here to be arbitrarily rigid, but to maintain spaces and to provide guidelines that allow all aspects of our timeline to exist in harmony so that we can continue to learn from the past and grow together. Uh, landmarking is one of our best tools to preserve the history of our community. These designations cast a pr uh, protective shield over buildings that would otherwise be vulnerable to development pressure and, provide, and they provide opportunities to, um, for funding to support maintenance and improvements. One recent designation is 937 East, East Davenport, a one-bedroom, tiny uh, 1874 Czech cottage, which was landmarked in the last year. Its integrity, as well as the stories it holds, which I will let you Google um, on your own time, uh, are an important part of the community. Uh, most importantly, and thanks, uh, or most recently, rather, uh, and thanks to the efforts of former HPC chair Kevin Boyd, and a team of representatives from the Emma Goldman Clinic, the original clinic house on North Dodge, which celebrates its 50th anniversary this month, is in the process of being landmarked. Um, so, great job. This is very exciting. The house represents enormous milestones in reproductive rights, locally and nationally. And in order to accomplish these designations and to preserve the structures that tell our stories, okay, that's uh, on the right. And to tell our stories, uh, we rely on the voices and the strength of our community. When there's temptation to buckle to, to development pressure, the community must join and speak up to protect its history. 
There's a lot of work ahead. Uh, it will not stop. And I hope to continue to see your faces and hear your voices moving forward. And now I'm going to turn it over to Sherry DeGraw, who I hope has a better grasp of the arrow buttons than I do. Thank you, everybody. Hi. Good evening. My name is Sherry DeGraw. I'm the administrator for the Friends of Historic Preservation. I previously served on the Historic Preservation Commission in Iowa City. Friends of Historic Preservation has worked in the community now for 48 years. As you may know, Friends began in 1975, determined to save an, a stately brick church built in 1856, now known as Old Brick. Since that time, our efforts have expanded to include architectural salvage, which means a team of people can deconstruct an old building before it's demolished. We then sell good wood floor, flooring, doors, fire, fireplace mantles, stained glass windows, and more. These can all be found at the salvage barn on Scott Boulevard. This supports sustainability in our community. We also believe that homeowners can cultivate their own DIY skills in learning basic home repairs and how to be good custodians of older homes. Some of our most popular workshops address how to refinish wood floors and window care, which includes reglazing. This coming year will be, an exciting, will be exciting as we are actively recruiting new board members. The board is once again meeting in person and we look at and we will look at hosting a homes tour and workshop workshops in 2024. In 2025, we will celebrate our 50th anniversary. Uh, thank you to our supporters, members, and volunteers of Friends of Historic Preservation in Iowa City. Um, it's time to enjoy the rest of the presentation, and Nicole Villanova will present the first category. Good evening. My name is Nicole Villanueva, a member of the Historic Preservation Commission. Each year, the commission recognizes the award-winning work of community members. I am pleased to announce the projects selected for paint and exterior finishes. First, I need to provide a little information about the logistics. After we present the individual properties that are being recognized, we would ask that each owner, as well as any consultants, contractors, or designers recognized, please come to the table at the front of the room to receive the, their awards. Where Jessica is sitting over there. All right. All right. 420 Fairchild Street, located in the near north side, is a Queen Anne-style Victorian home constructed in 1899. This home has some notable features with its portico entry porch, half round window on the front gable, and a rear addition added sometime between 1906 and 1912. Owners Matthew Brown and Gina Houseconnect noticed that the previous two-tone exterior paint approach of a single color for the body and scroll work and a lightly contrasting trim color muted the decorative features of this home. Working closely with Shelley at Sherwin-Williams to select appropriate paint colors and a four-color scheme, Don Edwards of Edwards Painting completed the task. 420 Fairchild Street is now a vibrant home that combines a yellow body, 
darker yellow gables, and a creamy yellow trim color, and dark burgundy accents to accentuate the shapes and decorative elements of this Victorian home. Congratulations to Matthew Brown and Gina House Connect and Edwards Painting. Okay. All right, 1023 Kirkwood Ave. This English, this English cottage style home at 1023 Kirkwood Avenue was first owned by Dr. Frank Benjamin Winery and Gretchen Helen Winery, nay Swisher, two prominent early Iowa City families. This stately and unique home was built in 1921 on land that was probably once part of Governor Kirkwood's estate. Today, the home's interior and exterior are in nearly original condition. With this in mind, owners Gordon Goldsmith and Sarah Henryson hired Abraham Zacharias with artistic painting to give this home an exterior refresh. The stucco was painted with the existing creamy yellow color. Oh, I, sorry. Oh, I'm forgetting to go through the slides. Okay. The stucco was painted with the existing creamy yellow color. The trim was painted with a new, deep, rich brown. The roof shingles were replaced and the shrubs were removed around the entrance. With a new coat of paint color, this home's historical character really shines through. Congratulations to Gordon Goldsmith and Sarah Henryson and Artistic Painting for preserving this stately historic home. All right, 1818 Morningside Drive is another historic transformation, or should I say preservation, this time by Wayne Newsell and Lund Construction. Originally constructed in 1910, current owners Richard Gilmore and Shirley Koshkata knew that their home needed an exterior refresh and meticulously searched to find someone who could restore their home as they envisioned. With the help of Wayne Newsell, the paint was removed down to the bare wood. The redwood siding was sanded and then primed, primed and painted with period-appropriate colors. This process was repeated with the casement and exterior windows. This, the owners noted, was tremendously difficult due to the lattice work on the exterior windows. After this initial work was done, Wayne went above and beyond by taking his preservation work further by salvaging the redwood siding on their dilapidated back porch and recycling the wood so contractor John Lund could reuse the wood to enclose the back porch. Congratulations to Richard Gilmore and Shirley Koshkata and Wayne Newsel and John Lund on this impressive restoration. Good evening, my name is Andy Lewis and I serve on the Historic Preservation Commission. Each year we are pleased to recognize rehabilitation projects that recognize the character of the historic neighborhood and are sympathetic to the original property. This year we have quite a few rehabilitation products, projects because a few we thought were just painting had actually undergone much more extensive work. So get used to my voice for quite a while. Okay. 
After a storm damaged the siding on the bungalow at 426 Church Street, owner Kerry Kozak decided to remove the aluminum siding, soffits, and fascia from the 1924 home. She hired contractor Daniel Davis. The removal of the siding revealed the historic cedar siding and trim on a house that may have originally been a catalog home. As expected, much of the projecting um, crown molding above the openings had been ripped off when the aluminum was installed. Only one piece of original molding existed above an opening on the front of the home. Carpenter David Murray used uh, that one piece as a model for new molding, which was placed in the gaps above the 20 windows and three doors of the home. Drip caps were also added above the water table and mid-level bandboard. Of the original siding, only about 20 pieces needed replacement. The rest was in good shape. Carrie had the home painted blue with white trim and dark red accents. New gutters were also added. Insurance covered the expense of the project. So congratulations, Carrie Kozak, David, uh, Daniel Davis, and David Murray. Next one. This project restored a magnificent brick and concrete porch at 930 East College Street. A basement had originally been located under the porch of this 1921 colonial revival. Philip and Julie Ostrom, the, ho uh, the, the home's owners, oof, recalled that the collapse of the porch was imminent. The basement support was failing. The Historic Preservation Commission staff and chair reviewed and approved work on the large porch in two phases. Prior to the first phase, the old basement under the porch was filled. Then Steve Brenneman and Paul Simmons of Brenneman Construction took down and reset exterior brick walls. Some reclaimed bricks from the past chimney demolition were, demolition were used in the work. Stairs, a stone skirt board, and carved drainage spouts were retained and reused. Cement walls were recreated and poured on site. The second approved phase, also completed by Brenneman Construction, focused on the replacement of the, porches, uh, of the porch floor's surface. Several inches of the floor were cut away and new concrete was poured. To match the original floor, the concrete was stained red and etchings were added to simulate, uh, to simulate a tile floor. Congratulations to Philip and Julie Ostrom and Brenneman Construction. Okie doke. Next, we have 701 East Davenport Street. Um, the history of this structure, located in the Goosetown Conservation District, is a little unclear, but it was once a simple house. In the late 1800s, a neighborhood grocery store was physically moved um, to abut the little house. A family lived in the house and operated the grocery store. Today, that old store space is Design Ranch. This project focused on removing the parapet that blocked much of the second story of the house, obscuring it so that most people didn't realize the house existed beyond, uh, behind Design Ranch. Owner Gary Gnade, uh, with some assistance from Thomas Agron, um, not only removed the wall, but also reconstructed the roof to use a low slope hip style. 
Rafters were salvaged from the reconstruction and used in the new roof. The eave edge of the roof was made to align with the roof around the structure's east side. Windows were trimmed similar to historic ones on the home. Historic porch elements, including trim placed to, to simulate columns, were incorporated. Cedar siding, clear cedar siding was used to replace, and in some areas patch, the side of the house. Unlike the modern vertical plywood siding, the lap siding offers a consistent look. Finally, the house was given a fresh coat of paint to differentiate it from the attached store. The overall appearance is a functional enclosed front porch on a historical home. Congratulations, Gary Gnade. For our next one, the multi-year rehabilitation project that is ongoing at 1822 Friendship Street, owned by Bruce um, Cellini, is a testament to the nature of skilled local laborers and tradesmen and the importance of preserving history. This farmhouse-style home was built in 1880 on the outskirts of Iowa City and was known as the Brookbank Farm, owned by Thomas Beale Wales, Jr., a pioneer in dairy stock breeding in the United States. In the 1940s, the house was known as the Putnam Hospital. This has been a long-term group project. Jason Zook replaced the roof and reworked the front porch structure, restoring the historic railing. Willie Oxley is currently restoring the historic stained glass front door. Wayne Newzill of Classic Painting used his talent to hand remove and safely dispose of original lead paint that covered the entire house in the dead of winter. He painstakingly painted exterior of the exterior of the home using a Queen Anne Victorian color scheme with two main colors and at least six accent colors. This year, Thomas Wilson of Wilson Services took on the restoration of the property, which involved recreating um, missing millwork by providing a match to the existing exterior base trim and preserving the original redwood features. He replaced uh, damaged siding and conducted essential structural repairs to ensure a solid substrate for the restoration effort. Utilizing cement-based repairs to restore a previous deteriorating foundation, he addressed issues such as vermin intrusion, water damage, and unwanted airflow into the house. Throughout this project, Wayne and Thomas's goal was to breathe new life into the historic property while preserving its unique character and the quality of its original materials. So congratulations to Bruce Cellini and Wayne Newzill, Jason Zook, Thomas Wilson, and Willie Oxley. Mike Ward and Stephanie Novich Ward own this stick-style Queen Anne in the College Hill D Conservation District. The house was originally built in 1883 when a side porch that had survived the 2006 tornado on, on the home became deteriorated. The couple called on Eastern Construction of Iowa City. Ron Easton set out to reconstruct the porch, taking care to document all of the extravagant trim details and review the condition of everything. After demolition, after demolition of the floor, new concrete footings were poured and five brick piers were set. 
Ron installed tongue and groove flooring made of vertical grain Douglas fir. Ron removed the columns, balustrade, and other porch details for repair. Portions of columns and balustrade, balustrades, which included lots of custom-made pieces, were reconstructed to match the original design. Paint was stripped from existing columns that were retained. New skirtboard trim was also installed over the porch framing. The result is fresh and elegant. So congratulations to Mike and Stephanie and Easton Construction. For my last one, um, Richard Hansen had a goal for the exterior of his property at 112 South Governor. That goal was to restore the house to its former glory as captured in an old photograph. The photo, snapped shortly after the home was constructed in 1916, was taken by Rush Clark, the builder of the house, and more than a dozen others that still stand in Iowa City today. Richard's goal for the Governor Street house was an ambitious one. It involved the removal of aluminum siding that had been on the structure since at least 1975. Richard feared the removal would reveal damaged wood siding, cut window frames, and non-existent trim. Luckily, that wasn't the case. The aluminum siding had, for the most part, been installed with care. Some millwork and trim needed replacing, and the drip edge around the entire, uh, entirety of the home had been hacked off. Richard hired Emerson uh, Andrushock of Emerson Andrushock Historic Restoration for his work. Emerson also replaced sections of soffit and skirt boards on both porches. With the wood surfaces restored, Edward's painting of Riverside, Iowa scraped, caulked, and prepped the home. Richard notes that the original body color was not chosen because it was too similar to the color on the house next door. Instead, Richard worked with Don Edwards to select oak moss, an original secondary color on the home. Richard, the homeowner, couldn't join us tonight, but accepting the award in his place is Rose Clark, the granddaughter of Rush Clark, the man who built the home and took the inspirational photo. Congratulations, Richard Hansen, Emerson Andrushock, and Edwards Painting. Um, good evening, everyone. My name's Carl Brown, and I serve... Hey, Dan. Dan painted my old house also, and so I will just give a shout-out that he does really good work. <laughs> um, all right, so I serve in the Historic Preservation Commission. While many of our awards this evening recognize homeowners, we've also had two larger-scale commercial projects completed this year that we want to recognize in the area of commercial restoration, commercial rehabilitation. The first one is 109 to 127 East College Street. Uh, in June of 2021, we successfully listed our Iowa City Downtown Historic District in the National Register of Historic Places, which was the culmination of many years' work. Hopefully many of you know that, does not, that that does not protect our downtown buildings from demolition. Only local district designation or landmarking protects the properties. So when the Tailwind Group 
came to the city with a development project that could make use of special zoning exceptions by landmarking a stretch of College Street, we were eager to work with them. We began by landmarking the four of the properties, both halves of the Dooley block, the former Sears Roebuck building, and the Crescent block. The College block building was already landmarked. The Tailwind Group worked with Newman Monson Architects for the design of the new tower and the remodeling of the historic buildings. Knutson Construction was the contractor. The project involved the demolition of some rear additions to some of the buildings. Then a new apartment tower was constructed on the alley to increase density. This location allowed the tower to appear as if it is not within the boundaries of the district. The historic buildings were also remodeled on the interior to hold new tenants, such as the Riverside Theater and the Crescent Block. Most importantly for our historic downtown, we worked through a rehabilitation program for the newly landmarked buildings. Of particular interest was retaining the 1930s Cara Glass storefront, formerly the soap opera, and the historic storefront occupied by Revival. The rehabilitation included masonry pointing and the painting of all wood trim. The modern storefronts and windows were replaced and missing or damaged decorative elements were repaired or recreated. The these historic buildings were prepared for another 100 years of contribution to the community. Congratulations to the Tailwind Group, Newman Monson Architects, and Knutson Construction. And the second award is for 2525 Highlander Place. The College Street project was not the only project that involved local landmark designation and rehabilitation. The Highlander Supper Club and Convention Center, the building we are in right now, has also been a successful commercial rehabilitation. In this case, owner Angela Harrington had experience re rehabilitating the historic Hotel Grinnell when she purchased the Highlander to work her magic once again. Historian James Jacobson documented the history of the building so that we could have the information we needed to locally landmark the property. Then she worked with the State Historic Preservation Office on a State Historic Tax Credit project with Steve Miller and David Voss from Slingshot Architecture providing their expertise. With innovative construction and merit construction as the contractors, Angela rehabilitated every inch of this historic supper club. The project included key elements such as removing the 1980s and 90s changes to the main entry canopy and reconstructing the supper club entry canopy. Modern changes to the supper club entry were removed. The mansard cornice of the supper club was clad in new cedar shingles. The windows to the guest rooms were replaced with windows that appear similar to the original windows, and this project preserved the, impo the, the important aspects of our recent history. Congratulations, Angela, Slingshot Architect Architecture, James Jacobson, Innovative Construction, and Merritt Construction.
Uh, good evening, everyone. I am Margaret Beck, a member of the Historic Preservation Commission, and I'm here tonight to present this year's awards in the category of Additions and New Construction. Dean and Kay Hagedorn own the 1925 Gable Front Bungalow at 815 Brown Street and have worked on several projects over the years. Most recently, they have built a two-car garage that suits their 1920s home and the Brown Street Historic District as a whole. They worked with Chris Robinson of Robertson Painting and Construction to create a new outbuilding modeled after existing older garages on the alley. The roof on the new garage matches the red standing seam roof on the house and they incorporated an antique door and a typical barn light. They also thoughtfully considered the building's role in the larger environment. The paint they chose helps to reflect heat instead of trapping it in this urban setting, and they carefully placed the new building to avoid damaging the existing old evergreen. They also replaced the previous sod in this spot with native prairie gamma, gamma gas, grass, gamma grass, and added native fruit trees. We also commend their extended dedication to this project, which was delayed two years by the pandemic. Congratulations to owners Dean and Kay Hagedorn and to Chris Robertson of Robertson Painting and Construction for this excellent addition to the Brown Street Historic District. House at eight, sorry, at 628 North Johnson Street was built in 1922. It's a vernacular front gabled house with details from the craftsman and colonial revival styles. It also originally had a kitchen without room for a kitchen table. When Luke Good and Sidney Johnson bought the property in 2021, they completed a few smaller projects, such as removing the carport that extended over the driveway. They also knew that they wanted to remodel the kitchen, enlarging it and adding a first floor bathroom. They worked with McCready Ruth Construction in Riverside to replace the existing rear porch with a new 16 by 10 addition designed to match the house, including a low-hipped roof and similar siding and window and door trim. This key property in the Brown Street Historic District now has added functionality that the owners love while maintaining important qualities of the district. We congratulate owners Luke Good and Sidney Johnson and McCready Ruth Construction on their successful project. And the last award in this category goes to 508 South Summit Street. The house at 508 South Summit is a large four square built about 1920. The rear of the house had a first floor open porch with an enclosed sleeping porch above. Laura and Martin Kivligan worked with Olda Benovinak Sorry, Olga. Olda Padovinak, John Martinek, and Damon Callahan at Modern Roots Design to build a 15 by 23 two-story addition, expanding the kitchen and the living space. 
This new addition matches the house in its lapped siding, hipped roof, and stucco-coated foundation, among other details. Notably, the porch deck structure incorporates Douglas fir porch boards that were reclaimed from the original back porch. Congratulations to Laura and Martin Kivligan and to their consultants and contractors at Modern Roots Design for a sympathetic addition to this contributing property in the Summit Street Historic District. The Margaret Novich Award is presented when a member of the community has a notable impact on historic preservation. It gives me, gives me pleasure to share with you the achievements of Mary Beth Sloniger, whose work has been incremental and transformative in the Goosetown neighborhood. 41 years ago, in 1982, Mary Beth arrived in Iowa City from Chicago to attend the University of Iowa School of Art. You might ask, what made the artist from Chicago decide to rehabil rehabilitate Bohemian cottages? Oh. Thanks. <laughs> uh, the answer, perhaps, is, is in the title of Mary Beth's book, Small But Ours. She tells the stories of Czech immigrants who settled in Northeast Iowa City beginning in the, 18, in the 1850s, these stories are in an, an expression of the American dream in its modern beginnings, in its modest beginnings, in architecture and in the documentation of family and neighborhood history. Many of the 19th century families she has researched have descendants still living in Iowa City today. Oh, did I do? In total, Mary Beth has worked to rehabilitate and in some instances landmark five cottages in Goosetown. Back in the era when these homes were constructed, you would have seen outdoor summer kitchens, large backyard gardens, and the geese that led to the name Goosetown. The photographs Mary Beth gathered together show the sense of place and sense of family and neighbors that char characterized Goosetown. Mary Beth's work preserving cottages benefits people looking for small and affordable houses. For instance, two of her cottages were purchased by people I know. 20 years ago, a couple from the writer's workshop bought 410 North Lucas Street, a limestone and clappered siding cottage dating to the 1850s. The price was right and the home was close to the UI campus. Soon after, they had their first child. The second couple is from Great Britain. They've made their home in the Weatherby Cottage, which is now located on the 600 block of North Governor Street. Weatherby's photographs reveal the very early Iowa City and its residents. He also was a portrait painter. The original location of this house was on Market Street. Mary Beth, being an observant and action-driven person, discovered that the house was planned for demolition. She met with a developer and made a verbal promise to have the house relocated. She succeeded in moving the house to Governor Street where she oversaw its re rehabilitation. 
This was the fourth house Mary Beth of, oops. This was the fourth of Mary Beth's house projects. If you haven't noticed the Isaac Weatherby house, you'll recognize it when you're on Governor Street just after Church Street. On the west side, reproductions of portraits painted by Weatherby are displayed above the front windows. And here's a list of the houses that Mary Beth has saved and restored. There's 1109 East Davenport, 410 North Lucas Street, 611 North Governor Street, and that's the Weatherby House, 937 East Davenport Street, and 405 Reno Street, which is the old schoolhouse number 11. In addition, Mary Beth has the unquenchable, unquenchable curiosity of a historian. She has researched and written about the architecture and families of Iowa City. She's done a tremendous job locating photographs in the State Historical Society here in Iowa City, assisted by Mary Bennett, and at the UI Special Collections. She has published five books under her imprint called By Hand Press, often generously donating proceeds to Friends of Historic Preservation. Uh, and then here are the titles of Mary Beth that Mary Beth has written and published. There's, oops, oh. Small But Hours, Images and Stories from a 19th Century Bohemian Neighborhood in 1999, Weatherby's Gallery, Paintings, Daguerreotypes, and Ambrotypes of an Artist, that was done in 2006, the Berg, that's the Hamburg, a writer, or Hamburg Inn, a writer's diner in 2011, and Finials, I like this one a lot, a view of downtown Iowa City in 2015, and the beautiful Remembrance Park, the fur trading era in Johnson County, Johnson County, Iowa, and a proposal for a wildflower park to contemplate the origins of the county. Please give, Please congratulate Mary Beth Sloniger for her many years of work in historic preservation in Iowa City, including her research and writing, most recently her rehabilitation and landmarking of the Prybill Cottage at 937 East Davenport Street. Thank you. history. Hi, my name is Mitch Thompson. I'm with the Johnson County Historic Preservation Commission. Um, I like to dress the part. Uh, we're here today to uh, uh, for a stewardship award. Now, the Johnson County Historic Preservation Commission, as its name says, handles the county of Johnson in the state of Iowa and not everywhere but Iowa City. They have their own commission. So we handle all the small towns, even cities like Coralville, um, throughout the county. And uh, 
what we are going to give away the uh, stewardship award for is for the Young Family Farmhouse. Now, you guys may know where this is at. You may not. Uh, if you're driving straight north out of uh, North Liberty, uh, you'll drive right by it. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a history behind it and uh, show you some pictures. Uh, the Young Family Farmsteads being honored for the care and exceptional stewardship its owners have shown over multiple generations. From 1874, Iowa Ray, daughter of a prominent landowner, married Miller Young, a farmer, a stock raiser, a teacher, and if that wasn't enough, he was a doctor as well. Uh, the farmstead has remained in association with the Young family since then. A year after their wedding, the newlyweds took over the bride's homestead nearby to the east. And push the button. Okay. Some years later, the big white colonial revival house was constructed. Built early in the early 20th century, uh, the large home has been a landmark on that wide curve as you're going between North Liberty and Shueyville. It was a route variously called the Diagonal, the Red Ball Route, Highway 218, back in my day, and finally 965. Throughout the first half of the 20th century, the farmstead has uh, been complemented by the nearby Young Station, a stop on the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City Electric uh, Inner Urban, which is the Crandick Railroad. Uh, which paralleled the Red Ball Road and where the farm's stock was loaded for market to Cedar Rapids. Miller Young had uh, contributed some of the land for the inner urban's right-of-way and was credited for influencing the other landowners to do the same so they could put a railroad through there. And over the years, the Young family uh, has operated a diverse farming operation, raising stock, dairying, planting corn, beans, oats in the surrounding fields, and tending to chicken and turkey flocks. After her death in 1909, Iowa Young left much of the land to her firstborn, William Ray Young. During William and his wife Cora's tenure on the farmstead, the big white house that you saw earlier, and then the gabled barn, which is right there, uh, were built. The uh, decorating the barn's peak, uh, no doubt to the delight of the traveling public, is a colorful quilt square in the farmer's daughter pattern. You can see that in the picture. The big barn has two smaller dairy wings that appear older than the big barn. Uh, preserved inside these wings is a clever feed uh, trolley system consisting of tracks hanging from the ceiling and a large wooden trough that hangs from the tracks. Uh, three more generations have followed. And uh, the, during the 1950s, W. Allen and Saren Hastings Young constructed a more modern milking parlor. They all had to be white, so that was the code back then. This is no exception. Um, painted to a pristine white and nestled in the crook of the big barn in the front dairy wing. 
Sarah's tenure on the farmstead was marked by her colorful flower beds, photos of which were published in a mid-century magazine. Stewardship of the farmstead next fell to their son, Wilbur Ray, and his spouse, Charlotte Young. Charlotte was a well-known educator and home economist, regularly featured on area TV and radio until she retired in 1995. Wilbur passed in 2006 and Charlotte in 2021. But it was Charlotte's wish to keep a brightly painted yellow bike displayed in a prominent place on the farmstead, and that's faithfully followed. If you drive by there today, you'll see the yellow bike in the yard. Uh, the stewardship of the farmstead is now in the hands of the next generation. Uh, Kay Young uh, Moling and Jean Moling, they're here tonight, um, who plan to keep it in the family and maintain the exacting standards set by prior generations of young families. This, uh, this farmstead is 150 years old from the same family, and it's... I can show you pictures, but I can't give you the scale of how big it is. Um, the roof of the, the barn is 50 feet tall. It's like being in a cathedral when you're inside it. It's beautiful. Um, the, the work, the architecture, it's, it's staggering to, to see it. Uh, and it was a joy to, to go, uh, to visit this place. Um, as I said, Kay Young Moling, uh, Moling and Jean Moling are here. Uh, would you guys stand and be recognized in your family as well? You guys worked real hard. It's a labor of love and it's a family operation. So thanks for having us. All right, in honor of the 40th anniversary of the Historic Preservation Commission, um, I also thank you to all the speakers. It was fascinating. I love these awards. They're so interesting. Um, but in honor of the 40th anniversary, uh, City Channel 4 has created a video um, of the culmination of our ceremony this year. And I would like you all to please enjoy. Iowa City has a long and wonderful history, both as an early state capital, as a center of education in the university level, uh, and the history of Iowa City is represented in its buildings, most of which are going to be here long after we are. Preservation isn't just about individual buildings, but the, the larger neighborhood and the larger community, or the role that these historic neighborhoods have in the larger community. It's not just a matter of how old something is, but the significance of the property. Not only what it looks like, but what it represents in the past. Any good city has a strong mix of both history and progress. Historic preservation works with the city to maintain a balance of both of those things. When we preserve these structures, we preserve our, we preserve our history. It's all part of our shared history and you know, highlighting that history and sharing those stories are part of who we are and makes Iowa City what Iowa City is. Iowa City's interest in historic preservation is part of history in preserving not just the structures, but the sense of Iowa City and the importance of history to Iowa Citians. 
uh, original mission of the Preservation Commission was set out in the city ordinance that said to explore a designation of historic properties for preservation. Anybody who's lived in Iowa City a long time can remember back in the early 80s there was a big dramatic uh, enrollment increase at the university, flooding students into the city and there was not enough dorm space and all of a sudden all these established neighborhoods found themselves under attack almost overnight. There were uh, a lot of neighborhoods that were being redeveloped with what was called mansard roofed apartments. There were uh, like 12 plexes that were getting built in the north side in College Hill. And uh, it was changing the character of the older neighborhoods. And so there was a great demand that the council do something. Margaret Novish and a few others uh, lobbied the uh, council to establish a historic preservation commission and establish some laws uh, regarding preservation so things weren't be done on a, on a crisis basis that somebody announces I'm going to tear this building down the community would try to rally to save the building sometimes successfully sometimes not um, so the idea of the early commissioners was to have an actual ordinance that would use zoning laws to protect um, the historic resources of Iowa City. When I came on the Preservation Commission, we were in kind of a lull. They had created two districts successfully, and they attempted a third, the entire north side neighborhood, from Brown Street down to Iowa Avenue, and it was not approved by the city council. So the question on everyone's mind was, what do we do now? The first thing we did was uh, decide that we needed a plan, a long-range strategic planning document approved by the city council to envision what this commission and the city council could do in the future. With that plan, we were able to identify several new historic districts and also propose a landmark ordinance, which meant that the commission could propose to the council to protect individual buildings rather than a district. We also determined that we needed outside funding because the city budget wasn't directed towards historic preservation. So we got in the business of applying for grants. So with some money, with the city council's backing of the plan, uh, we hired some very good experts uh, and started moving forward with the things the plan proposed. Preservation Awards are a chance to step back and say, hey, look, look at these great, wonderful buildings and the work and the investment that's going on in Iowa City to make the community better. Those awards really honor the preservationists, the people who poured their blood, sweat, and tears into these things, and the craftspeople. Taking on a project like restoring or maintaining a home is it's a lot of work. You put a lot of heart into it and you think about it constantly, I think, while you're while you're doing it. So I think to have a pat on the back by the end of a project is actually just really affirming for a homeowner. It's another way of people being recognized for their own support and involvement. Um, and it's, it's just a way of saying this is something that we value and these are the people that make it happen. The contractors are experts in their fields. They do so much to keep these important places standing. Um, and they deserve to be celebrated for the work they do. I think of our 40 years of awards in the commission and can't help but think of the, the original pre the preservationists that work, were working 40 years ago or even earlier, you know, 50 years ago this month. 
the college block building behind me was slated for demolition. Preservationists worked to preserve that building, and now it's part of a you know multi-million dollar project for the city. Um, Fifty years ago, people said it had no value, and not only do we have new economic development projects with it, but um, also you know the structure and the history is preserved. Iowa Avenue. The day after the tornado, we went there and looked, and the, 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 looking back at the pictures, it's so dramatic because it looked like a war scene. And my thought was. This is going to be cleared and there's going to be all new development and how are we going to plan for that? But the commission got on the ground and got grants and support for preserving those buildings. And so you look at Iowa Avenue today and it looks better than before the tornado. The tornado actually helped rejuvenate it. A wise man once said that uh, a person or a place without history is like a leaf that doesn't know it's on a tree. Iowa City was the first state capital of Iowa. It has a lot of history here. It's one of the oldest, biggest settlements. It has many remnants of the early days from the old capital to the uh, replica uh, Gilbert Trading Posts in Upper City Park. Uh, and many of the neighborhoods are rather old and beautiful, uh, the kind of homes that aren't built anymore. Try to imagine Iowa City without its own history preserved in its architecture. It's, it's not a place that's very interesting to live in. So I think, you know, ordinances like this are absolutely essential for preserving not only the history of who lived there and what the use was, but basically the art of building in the past that becomes part of our own history. Uh, you know, everybody has their own photo albums of their family history. Historic preservation is our photo album of our past. That was lovely. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ty, and to everybody else who worked on the video. Um, thank you to everybody for being here tonight at the Highlander. Thank you to the Highlander for hosting us. Um, it's lovely. I think most of you did have a tour, but um, feel free to walk around. I think uh, there are some spaces open that you can take a look at. And uh, have a wonderful night. Don't forget to stop at the bar and tip your bartender.